You are listening to The Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Welcome to another episode of The Path Podcast. Nathan here with Tawny. Hey, Nathan. Thanks for playing my request. <laughs> I, think that was, I think that was a winner for the start. It really brings back memories because... That was the song we would play in our, um, I believe the term was Ghetto Blaster. I don't know if that's still appropriate. but uh, <laughs> And we would have like the bandana tied around our, like me and my crew in the neighborhood when I was 11. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like 1975, 1985. And uh, we had our own cardboard to break dance on. It was, it was a good crew. That's sick. Yeah, it was. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> So, man, lots going on around here with mountain biking these days. Do you know So Summit's going to open up this Friday? Wait, they got, are they still doing it? Because they got a little snow. In I think so. I mean, like, I think Vital Ditch Day is going on this, this Friday, and oh, Summit's that's open right. for the weekend. And That's awesome. I'm kind of stoked. I'm stoked up. Yeah, we've kind of had a, our, our winter's kind of pushed out a little bit and it's been like it got hot for a while and it's been like kind of chilly again like 60s when normally it should be like pushing 80 this time of year yeah it's like one of those like it's nice and we need it but it would also be nice to be able to get out on the trail yeah i mean it's it's i wouldn't say it's keeping yeah I've, well and actually they were supposed to have a race at snow valley this weekend and i saw on their instagram they had a little bit of snow and i think it was a cold and like kind of miserable race and i think they had like maybe you know just a dusting but it was still on the trails when they started i may be telling stories out of school but i heard a rumor that snow valley is going to put in a bike park they well they are snow valley is working on it they were open last year i heard that some skilled trail builders are coming in there oh nice yeah, I'm curious. So the big thing with those trails in Snow Valley when I had talked to them is that the Forest Service limits how many, you know, feet, inches, whatever they can build every year. And so they're kind of hands are tied on that. But I think because it's a ski resort, and there's all these old like defunct access roads and things like that. I think there's some shortcut where they can start to get some extra ground if they're like, hey, this used to be an old road. Um, we let us make this back into a trail. We're we're recovering an old road, not cutting a new trail. The unreliable rumor that I heard is that there's a lot of hope and opportunity. Nice. Well, their their lift, which they invested in last year, is like brand new and fresh. It's a full lift from the top to the bottom, which they didn't have. Well, they kind of had it. It would stop mid mountain. Doesn't do that anymore. And um, it's got dedicated bike trays that when they go by the pickup the tray is like two inches off the ground. You just nice. roll your bike into the tray. So there's, it's like, you know, two or three. So they're investing. They mean it. For sure. Brand new lift with like top of the line bike trays and on it. How many hundreds of turns closer than Summit? That's uh, their thing, right? Like yeah. 183 turns closer than Summit. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't doubt it. But I, I love that mountain too. It's I'm, got nicer dirt, I think. More loam, uh, if I feel like it's it is kind of loose and sandy, but so is Snow Summit. Snow Summit's packed in a little bit more, but I think it's a little sandier mm. at Snow Valley, if I remember correctly. But I'm, you know, I I think it might be more akin to Mammoth. Okay, not that it's pumice. It's but not like pumicey. It's, it's DG, like but deep, loose DG. I guess we'll, we'll see. 
Yeah, I'm excited about that. I I don't know why I've always had a soft spot for Snow Valley, even on ski days, on on any of it. I I just have a I have a soft spot. It's a cool spot. Yeah, yeah, I I like that mountain. So um, over the humps back. Yep. The paths featured shop night is June 11th. Okay. We'd love to have you out there with us celebrating our featured shop night on June 11th and make it a big night for over the hump. June 4th is family night over the hump. And that is family night is the only times when they have the strider races. So if you have like a kid that's like just learning to ride a bike and has a push bike or a, a strider bike, you could bring them out on June 4th to over the hump and do the strider race. Um, our normal kind of group rides, Women's Wednesday every other Wednesday and Beginner Rides every other other Wednesday. You're looking at me funny. Oh, no, you're good. I'm just checking cords. And um, check my cords. <laughs> um, what else is new? Share. Uh, Share um, is doing a po- uh, trail work day at El Moro on June 2nd. And it's a great way to get out there and give back and have your own effort going into the trails and maybe meet some cool people. And um, it might already be passed when, when this episode goes up. And if so, either good luck to Lou and it's not a bike fest and all the rate riders who are doing, it's not a bike fest or congratulations, depending on when the show comes out. Yeah. That sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. I, I think, um, how far, how far do you think the drive is down to Ensenada over the border? I'm going to shoot from the hip and say maybe about three hours. How about this? Hey, Siri, directions to Ensenada, Mexico. While it's doing that, I'll tell you one more piece of news. We got the new stigmatas. Oh, yeah. Those look pretty good. Threaded bottom Four bracket. hours and 15 minutes to Ensenada. From that, Orange County, and it takes... From a, wherever we're sitting, and don't two, try to reverse engineer that to Nathan's house. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's two and, a, two and a half hours to the border, so about an hour and a half south of the border. Somewhere someone is calculating all the traffic and drawing <laughs> the string from Ensenada, like the, the radius, but like also with cal- tra- traffic calculated, so it's not, a per, straight, it's not like the same distance all the way around. <laughs> They're going to be most disappointed. <laughs> There's nothing here to say. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, listeners, if you're local and you want to have us do a, a fire road ride on like drop, like a roadie, like a drop bar multi-surface ride, let us know because we're thinking about that. And like give us input like do you want it to be an epic ride with a picnic? Do you want it to be just like an up and down Hardanger Black Star? Do you want it to have more some road and some dirt? Like maybe it's from one of the shops to a trail or should we just drive to a fire road? So, yeah, that's something we're kind of playing with. So if you have ideas or if you're not from around here but you do a fun drop bar adventure multi-surface ride, like we don't know. We're still find, trying to find the identity. Like is this a ride that like you wear cut-off jeans and a tie-dye <laughs> shirt and bring maybe a Brooks saddle? Or is this a ride where maybe we go down Joplin? Or oh. is this a ride where maybe there's a pace line across the canyon for a while? Like it's just hard to tell. Nice. Maybe it could be all those things. That so that's kind of in light of the new stigmata coming out, right? You know, it, it's kind of in light of that. Although my personal skin in the game is my new Sutra LTD. Oh, I don't know if I mentioned that I got one of those. 
I think you might have, but it's probably worth revisiting. And I'm stoked on that thing for the record too. It's like a, you know, not under $2,000 bike with hydraulic disc brakes and one by 11 and comes with 45 C tires in a beautiful green color chromoly frame. Oh, that's rad. Skin wall tires. Oh, okay. I I just pulled up the picture now. It looks pretty sweet. I wrote it up. I guess it's not under two grand. It's twenty one ninety nine. I wrote it up Harding, and I really I was like, wow, that like is easier to ride up Harding than any of my mountain bikes, like noticeably. Really? Yeah. Wow. And probably even than like a you know like a Blur or an Anthem twenty nine or you know like a yeah cross country bike forty five forty five millimeter wide tires. Yeah, tubeless. Yep. So here, here's through the rack, through axle fork, rack mounts for everything. That looks rad. You know, I'm always a little funny about the the tire size. It says 700 by 45 C. The C is a designation on the 700, and it's not centimeters. It's like 650 B, 700 C. Has to do with a designation, not a size. So it should be 700 C by 45. Oh, you're saying they're putting the C in the wrong spot. Yeah. The C should come after 700. So I always was so confused by that that I tend to kind of trail off with that C. Yeah. uh, Maybe I might say CC, like, (laughs) just, like, add another C for extra confusion. Well, like, I think if you look up, like, old, like, Sheldon Brown stuff, there's, like, probably in the history of bicycle development from the 1800s, there's probably, like, a 700A, a 700B. And then there's a 700C. Same with like 650. So 650 is a 650B. And then 700 is 700C. And 700C is AKA 29. It's the same size. Same I just call number. all those 28. <laughs> just kidding. Roadies, yeah, they're all 28 inch tires. Uh, anyway, I was just looking at that. Sorry, I derailed. No, not at all. Derailment is the best part of our show, I think. We already, got, we already talked to Siri today. Yeah. So. Uh, so I, you were talking about some trail maintenance. I, I kind of ha- have had an idea about this trail maintenance thing. And uh, so we have all this mustard plant, right? It's encroaching on the trail, and it makes it hard to ride. And, and it's, it's non-native, and it and it um, kind of suffocates native, native um, shrubbery. Right. So yeah, I've seen this video before where um, crop circle, guys that make crop circles... Figure they have like a two by four, maybe three or four feet long, tied to a rope, and they walk with it and like w- take little six inch steps and knock down the wheat. Now they do all these geometric measuring with like tapes and pivots and things like that, and that's how they make the crop circles. But what if you just had a stick, like a four foot stick and a rope, and just walked along the edge of the trail, stomping down the? I mean, granted, it's probably not as good as cutting it and clearing it out. But what if you just had to? This trail's like almost closed up. We got to get it open. I need to cover like a mile of trail. Could you just like stomp your way down the edge, mashing it down with a two by four essentially underfoot? Or while we're just throwing ideas against the wall, what if like Santiago Oaks had a dirt bike day once a year? (laughs) (laughs) We're just spitballing there. It would make the trail so good. I I think there should be like a one day. What do they What do they call that movie where everybody oh, know kills each other? About, yeah, it's uh uh the cleansing or the calling or yeah. it's uh the reckoning, something like that. Anyway, it's some 
bike that evil. The day bikes. everyone does whatever their 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 id desires. Right, right. What if we had that for the parks, but it's dirt bike day, and then whatever trails we get, we get. Mm. So like you, hey, we got four new trails today going up that hill. <laughs> <laughs> that would be rad. I feel like that um, takes it from a no no possible deal to definitely no possible deal <laughs> <laughs> to a uh, slim chance to to no chance in hell, zero to none to definitely none, <laughs> definitely none. Yeah. <laughs> below zero uh but yeah i think have you seen this crop these crop circle stomping things let's take a look on your googles i it's mean so, we 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 just need the shape of a trail we don't need anything that would con- cause a conspiracy <laughs> it's uh oh yeah there it is so it's just it's just a board with a rope and you can see it it's like you know four or five feet and you just stomp and walk with it and so it just knocks down the brush for the width of the board kind of as you go. It would be an easy experiment. Yeah, see see how this It guy... looks like that wheat's a lot, like maybe more brittle and dry than yeah. our current mustard. Like maybe in a, a month it would work on the that's, mustard. That's what I was thinking. The mustard is pretty thick. But, but I think it just falls down by itself to the mustard. Yeah, see how that guy does that? Yeah. So I was thinking you could do that just on the – but you just – you don't need the – it's not grown onto the trail. It's just encroaching. So you just need to get it. So like if there's the wall, We need to clear room for our handlebars and create lines of sight. I, yeah. agree, I agree with you. So I wonder if this could be a really quick fix to opening up some of the trails and getting some of this mustard out of the way. I think you need a sling blade. <laughs> some people call it a sling blade. <laughs> yeah, I think a, a sickle. Man, my phone really wants to take me to Mexico right now. It won't take no for an answer. It's like you said Mexico, right? We're going Mexico? See. So, did I did I we can't remember if I talked about my trip to Moab on the show. No, no, but I think we can recap even if Maybe I did. Yeah, I I my memory's going. Okay, so no, I'll, you weren't here. We talked about you being on your Moab trip on the show. We did a show after that, though, but I think we were busy talking about Brandon stuff. I believe you're right. And and suspension. We went way deep into the weeds on suspension. Yes, we did. And people seemed to like it. We we got a lot of positive comments on the suspension weedage. Yeah. So, 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 you know, Santa Cruz wanted to show some dealers kind of just some love, so... <laughs> they fly me into Moab and pretty much get there. And Joe, who was on our show, yeah. picks me up in the razor or the side by side that he rented. Sick. <laughs> so it's like straight out onto like fins and things or fins and stuff or something. Right. And they had already been doing laps, so they were well warmed up. And um, it was a good opportunity to kind of like let go. And be okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was awesome. Like they definitely all the wheels were off the ground many times, and like definitely high centered over and over again. Definitely lost a cooler onto the trail full of beer. <laughs> um, it was a rental for sure. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of set the tone for the trip. Those get those. If I don't know if you if listeners or you've ever played crud. Oh it's yeah. It's a pool table adaptation that might i don't know where that originated but i played crud once in the bike shop in downeyville 
That's where you would have played. That's where... That's where it is played. I think that's where it got imported to America from uh, maybe Canada, maybe. I don't know. Okay. That might have been the point of entry. Patient zero. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's where I first saw it as well. Um, so plenty of crud was played. I had I, I think I'm pretty good at um, riding bikes and drinking beer, but man, those guys were and gals were on point with both. <laughs> Particularly well versed. Oh man, we rode a lot of the enchilada, most of or you know the rim yeah. trails, and yeah. we rode Ahab. And man, the mega tower was treating me so good. Nice. By the end of the day. I was really thinking maybe I don't need a Nomad anymore. We'll see. rut row. Yeah, right? I mean, that's a big statement for me right now. How was that? Did you notice any uh, reduction in chain slap? Because I know they've gone to kind of a, a, a chainstay protector design kind of in the vein of the specialized thing where it's like has broken surfaces. It's got like ribs yeah. or like shark fins or something like fins or right did uh, you did you notice anything it's a very very quiet bike but the, you know the nomad's a very very quiet bike but it might be quieter okay but it certainly seems to be a design that's uh being shared on a lot of new uh chainstay protectors yeah i think I've, it's just the thing now i've seen so many pictures of the uh the mega tower on instagram where people are like oh i got the new and i just glanced and i was like is that a nomad or a mega tower because you can't, it's hard to tell from just the frame and the chainstay protectors the dead giveaway yeah that's that's a really easy way to tell if you're in moab and you want good food i i, I was i like this place so much that i want to i just want to talk about this one restaurant 98 center Okay. And on Yelp, it says vegan, gluten, gluten-free Vietnamese. Like, it is all those things, but it's also meat and gluten. Like, you do, it doesn't have to be those things. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, I like, the pork belly is amazing. Yeah. And it's all local farmers and, and creative dishes, and the cocktails are really good. Like, I had the sp- spicy jalapeno margarita, which was off the hook. I don't know. I just feel like our listeners deserve to check this place out if they're in Moab, and it's not super expensive. Yeah, I've had a couple of jalapeno margaritas before, and those are those are pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, ninety eight center, right in the middle of town. The hot rod show was going on while we were there. That was kind of an interesting scene. Oh, rad! Yeah, hung, hung out at the Moab bike shop and watched that. They had checked out their giant tube ball. Wait, the giant what? They have a ball of all the old tubes that's like maybe three feet in diameter. Oh, okay. It, let, let, to put perspective on it, it's so big that you can't make a tube stretch around it. It either like breaks or snaps, oh. or like snaps up into the air. Bicycle tube. Okay, sorry, I was like tubes. Okay, got it. Bike tubes. Got it. You know those things we used to put in our tires? Yeah. What? What are those? What, back in the day. What do you do with this? <laughs> Tubes? Once, in a po- once upon a time, you used to throw them in a box and send them to Pedro's, and they'd give you a seat bag. Yeah, those were sweet. Tubes? I don't even know what the tubes look like. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty strange. So I went and got one of my crystal balls out of my pile of dusty, broken crystal balls and dusted it off. Okay. Because the mullets have all been doing so good. Oh, that's right. That's right. I think this is worth talking about. I mean, you, our longtime listeners, Tawny specifically, I'm not, I'm not going to take credit for this and say we, 
Tani has been talking about the mulleting since at least our first year doing this show. And this is and our third year. It's definitely obviously not my idea. But I will say I am someone who was a believer when not many were a long, right. long time ago. Right. And particularly, I'll admit, too, I was particularly uh, apprehensive about the idea on a bike, on, on take a 27.5 bike and just jack up the front end. And, and we're, Which is what, um, what, who's doing that? Um, Martin GT, Mays. Martin Mays. And he's killing it. Yeah. He's, and you I, never know how much of that is athlete and how much of that is bike. And it's like, well, they're just adapting because they don't have a 29er. But then, like, maybe he wouldn't. It's hard to speculate. It's hard to say if he would be doing this well if he had a big rear wheel, too. It's not he slowing him would. down. Let's put it that way. He probably would. There was also Pink Bike did another one. Of, I, th- I think it was Pink Bike did another, like, uh, you know, semi-scientific stopwatch evaluation. Oh, okay. And they went. They found that the times were within about a half a second, I don't know, several minute. Yeah. But I, I suspect that a, I think that a part of what the formula there is is kind of getting to know how to work that. I mean, I I would almost say that if you just jump on a whole new setup that you've never so the the mixed wheel size was unfamiliar to the tester from what I can understand. Okay. And they're used to 29. So, like, if you just jump on a whole new setup that's weird to you right? and are, like, pretty much right away as fast or maybe, or maybe half a second faster on it. And if you're – so I think part of what's good about it is it, it, it's confidence. It's a confidence-inspiring setup. Yeah. And if you're a skeptic, then that confidence doesn't really pay off for you. Right. Even if, even if your skepticism is just based in um, – just raw, like scientific, like just wanting to be objective, and maybe it might not. Like, so what? What do you think the trade-offs are? Because it's there's a lot of benefits. Obviously, you can run a 29 front end and have that big, confidence-inspiring front wheel. I think head tubes have gotten to the point where 29ers aren't squirrely anymore. I I firmly believe that a lot of the early 29ers were squirrely because uh, we just had head head angles that were so damn steep because they were trying to equalize trail and that was a mistake they should basically if we started out and just copied the geometry and just popped in the 29 wheels we could have made a lot more progress 29ers well trail is one of those numbers that if you graph the trail on bikes over the last 15 years it's consistently gotten longer and the new shorter offset forks only made that more true right and it hasn't stopped Right. So, like in broad brushstrokes, this year's trail numbers are longer than two years ago's trail numbers, and it doesn't right. seem like we found the edge yet. When we were, but when we were first getting twenty niners on the market, um, their head tubes were always steeper than the twenty six counterpart. Right, because there was this um, there was this dogma in the bike industry that was really deeply seated that said that bikes should steer a certain way at like four miles an hour. And that that's what mattered over other things. Right. And there, and that if you have quote unquote front wheel flop, that ruins the bike. Right. And, and they were wrong. I think they were wrong. Yeah. And that's also why the early 29ers were super squirrely. And cause I remember my, my first 29er trail bike was a specialized stump jumper. Um, Brian had one. I forgot what year it was. 2012 maybe. Yeah. 
And I hated that bike. I, I was convinced. I was like, I cannot ride it. I mean, it's good for some things, but I was like, I can't ride this on steep, aggressive trail. And so that would have made me apprehensive to put a 29 front end on a bike. But now it's totally different. So I think there's a few things at play there. I think a lot of us as riders weren't quite ready. Like we needed a more incremental process to get to a bike with that much trail and like that long of a wheelbase right? and all that. And I also think the riding style that we needed to adopt to be there, that bike didn't quite have like a solid enough fork and good enough brakes to like make you want to ride that way. But like, it also had a 69 head angle. I think that right. particular model. Okay. Fair. And so, and also a bunch of bikes back then had longer offset forks to shorten the trail back up, which again, counter it. to where we ended up to be headed. Right. Right. So back to what you were saying is what are the basic trade-offs of big and big wheel, bigger front yeah. wheel, smaller rear. And I think a big one that you mentioned is front wheel stability. And I'm going to make a hand motion, you know, like your hand just wobbling side. If you put your hand out like a, you know, like you're going to shake someone's hand and then just wiggle it like that wiggling motion. I feel like 29 does so much less of that. It skips around less. It bounces around less, loses traction less. I feel like for a front wheel, those are always good things. For a rear wheel, those are only sometimes good things. Right. In fact, sometimes I want my rear wheel to break free and drift a little bit. Right. And when it does, I don't want it to have that like chattery, Gift that 29ers tend to have where they're like trying to regain traction. Why don't you just have a smooth drift? Like not right. that knife in undisputable traction that 29 tends to get. Well, and this goes back to, it kind of loops back to a little bit of what we were talking about. The testing that crank brothers did is it sounded like in their testing, a stiff rear wheel and a compliant front wheel was preferable. This exaggerates this that. it hugely, right? A smaller wheel is I mean, all th- all else being equal, much stiffer. Right. So it also, I'm a big fan of having not a huge, the distance that the hips have to move from like an attack position, co- like aggressive cornering over the bars to like slightly defensive or maybe even pulling up for a manual where your hips are trying to be back over the rear axle. Mm-hmm. I like that to be not a real long trip for me, at least. Okay. And I think it helps with that like makes it a shorter trip you can have shorter chain stays and it's just a different leverage point and a different over the rear axle moment so for example um like these poles that i have on order they have really long chain stays are really long i mean i'm gonna have to check traffic before i throw my hips back (laughs) (laughs) it's a trip right it's gonna be a ways it'll be interesting to see how you like that and that obviously has its own sets of of benefits right but yeah yeah so, um, definitely for sh- shorter riders, like in my height range, like maybe under five, nine or so, I don't know. Less yeah, butt actually, buzzing. Yeah. I mean, I definitely get butt buzzing sometimes on steep stuff on 29. Although like my recent experience with the mega tower was that I very rarely needed to get, I, that bike just always encouraged me to, what I liked about it is it encouraged me to keep my hips really far forward. Right. Like really far forward. It's a, actually a really good confidence-inspiring feeling when a bike just tells you to do that, and you do yeah. it, and it responds. I think with these longer bikes and slacker head angles, there's so much more bike in front of you. The thought of actually going over the handlebars has really, really diminished. It's pretty much not a thing with like a 35, 40 mil stem and a 65-degree head angle yeah. and, and like a bunch of bottom bracket drop from big wheels. So here's another thing. 
with mixed wheel size, you have mixed bottom bracket drop. Right. Interesting. Okay. So you, you have the, in the front end, you have the stability and control of tons of bottom bracket drop. Right. In other words, it's hard to go over the bars. Yes. In the rear wheel, you have a little bit less bottom bracket drop, which means it's easy to bunny hop in manual. Okay. And gives it kind of a, a poppy agility. Right. Interesting. Okay. So any any trade-off, say, on, like, technical climb? Because I, I, I think, like, the rollover on technical climbing, having a 29er is kind of nice. I think if all you were going to do all day is technically climb, you might do a 27.5 front and a 29 rear. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Which is not what people want to do with a bike like that. I mean, this no, is we're not... talking for, for these mixed wheel bikes, we're talking enduro bikes and downhill bikes. Right. And park bikes is where I see it. Where the uphill is a necessary evil to enjoy the down. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So it'll be interesting to see if it's for everyone, if it's for real tall guys, if it's for, like, I can kind of almost imagine, like, well, also, like, Maybe some of the taller guys need a 31-inch front wheel and a 29-inch rear. Or, like, oh, like maybe right. that's where Minar would shine. Right. Like, I don't know that Minar needs a smaller rear, rear wheel or, or – and, I, you know, it's just t- tough to say how this all plays out. Yeah. But I'm also really excited to see production bikes other than foes. I mean, it's hats off to foes for having been doing a mixer for a while. Right. And hats off to Specialized for the big hit back in the day and everyone else who's done their version of it. But I can't wait to see like modern, full ground up designs around this. Right. Well, and it's it's always an important thing to remember that so many segments of the industry have to come together. It's not just guys, a bike company, which is essentially a frame company. It's fork, rim, tire, Everything has to come together for it to be kind usable. of though all the I mean twenty seven and a half and twenty nine inch rims and forks and tires already oh, exist. I I'm sorry. Oh, thirty one. I was saying thirty one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> no, I'm just really excited for the first <clears throat> ground up designs that are twenty nine front, twenty seven and a half rear. Right. It, like, with twenty seven five and twenty nine, we have the full gamut of every product you could choose from downhill to cross country, rims, tires, all of it. So particularly with like hard hitting enduro and downhill bikes i feel like for me and the bikes i've i have built bikes like this in the past right and it is as very 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 confidence inspiring for me well i remember back in i want to say like 2008 or so this was when you guys were still selling specialized carl was playing with um the stump jumper 29 like the first generation stump jumper 29 and he had a 26 rear wheel when he took it to the bike park carl and ruby and mcneil all did that yeah on those bikes and ruby also did the mixed wheel size on um a special or an intense slope style okay that was their like six inch travel steep head for its time it was steep seat angle six inch travel i think it had a 66 degree head angle and ruby spent like five hours facing off like about probably 20 millimeters of head tube to put a 29 inch front fork and front wheel on it without raising the front end up as much. Wow. And this was just a straight one and a half head tube, you know, so you could do that. And like, he took like a real amount off, like a lot. I think he got up into the weld a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Ruby was a bit of a mad scientist still is. I'm sure. Um, 
I think he's on the Nikolai mixed wheel size. I'm sure, yeah. Probably going huge, like rocking super professor style. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the most committed riders I've ever ridden with. Like, just so committed. Riding style or bike setup decisions? All of it. Just uh, okay. like to the, or even just like how he would, back in the day, remember when we had um, Ghetto Tubeless? Yeah. The first time I saw his Ghetto Tubeless, it looked like NASA made it. <laughs> like, it was, ever, it, it was just, you know, we all were doing similar stuff with various tapes. And um, you know the adhesive foam that you'd put in like a door jam or something to f- fix a breeze? Yeah. Like that stuff. Like the great, I think it's great stuff expanding foam. No, no, like it's like a strip of foam with an uh, adhesive on one side. Got it. Yep. Okay. And we were like using that to like make it fill some gaps and make it harder to burp and then putting tape and like con- <laughs> making our own contours and stuff. Wow. And Ruby's seriously looked not just like it had been done like professional assembly, but like it like engineered to the hilt and like artfully executed like it was amazing Uh, it was one of the first times i was like oh this guy like wow it wasn't a bmx tube stretched over the rim and then trimmed off although that seemed to work pretty well too (laughs) (laughs) the principle is sound yeah so um at that back at that time i had it was the 26 inch stump jumper evo with a 29 inch front wheel short forked that was my version right. of it back then. Right, yeah, because you've been a fan of the short forking, but we're seeing, at so least in the Enduro, they're not short forking. It's less that I'm a fan of that. I, okay, right. If you're going to take a, a small-wheeled bike and make it a big-wheeled bike, I like to short fork it a little bit. But keep in mind, going for, I was going from 26 to 29. Oh, okay. And... um Twenty-seven and a half to twenty-nine. It's not as as not. You don't have to short fork it. it right. It's, the need isn't there as much. But I think a couple of years ago we were discussing try, how do you equalize and short fork and what's the equivalent. And, right. And part of the reason I was short forking is because I wanted to keep the seat angle kind of in the stratosphere. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And I wanted a super low bottom bracket. Yeah. Okay. The yeah the bottom bracket will go with it. Um. But I think when your bike is designed around all this stuff, you can have it all. You can have the travel and the fork, and you can have the bottom bracket height correct and the seat angle correct and yeah, optimized, you know, maybe get 16 and three-quarter inch or 16 and a half inch chain stays. And What would be your guess of the first major player that's going to make a bike, quote-unquote, designed for it or have a flip chip and say, Intense. Hey. Yeah. That's who, or who was first on 27 and a half? Uh, and Norco was really early. Intense was really early. Yeah. I think Norco was an anomaly being really early, but, um, I think, I mean, or one of the brands that's already playing with it on the world cup, like specialized is right. Uh, yeah. Or at least one of their riders is, (laughs) but I know specialized is, it's pretty common that they machine custom linkage. Yeah. I think that's an actual prototype or maybe not a prototype front triangle, but I think that's not just a, a smaller wheel on a normal demo. They, yeah, they did something special. I mean, it's Loic Bruni. He's that, that probably gets whatever he asks for. And they have a lot. Specialized has a lot of in-house capabilities too. So it's you know, there's some small bike brands that probably can't machine you custom links, but Specialized should be able to do that in-house. When it really reminds me of when some people, when some people, including a, a lot of us on the show, thought that 
29 was going to kind of take over the World Cup downhill. And it, lot, lots of people were like, oh, we already tested it. It's not faster. And like, yeah. But then people are winning races on it. Yeah. It's, it seems to be taking over. And, and in, in the enduro side, too, it seems to be very strong. I mean, we're seeing some of the smaller women running 27.5, but pretty much across the board, it seems like if you're above 5.9, you're running a 29. Well, or at least some version of it be interesting to see if for enduro some of those smaller women run 27 five front 26 rear that yeah that'd be interesting lightville makes i think their bike lineup that way where its wheels are size dependent and mixed it's happening on e-bikes a lot already are they doing the I plus i think specialized might do that with the plus in the back on their like enduro levo or something i do sort of picture you know how like we all like the the traditional mountain biker move is a wider front tire than the rear. Yeah, that's the old school move. But also the new school move, I think. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, like yeah. a, a lot of bikes get shipped that way and like most of our customers and most of our staff and myself buy tires that way. Right. And or um, equal but never the other way. For sure never the other way. Yeah. And like if you're riding a repair ticket and the two tires are different sizes, you don't have to write which one goes on the front unless it's the big one is on the back. Like, I think that the only person I knew of putting bigger tires in the front was bigger tires in the back, bigger tires in the back was a Tim Comerford because him and his whole crew were into riding the steepest things they possibly could. Yeah. Like that was a thing for them. And, and a little contrarian in a good way, I guess. Yeah. They had weird. Don't beat me up, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Those had some, it was really interesting the setups they had. I mean, it was downhill saddles, so they could scoot way forward. Big. They had those not just downhill saddles; those old school Tioga like love seat things or whatever. The huge. Like it was like as long as my forearm saddles. Yeah, they were. Well, that was. The, they're like, well, a motorcycle. You have a big seat you can move around on. <laughs> that was kind of the rationale. Oh, and you would see them out there at Oaks, like. The you know there's that like back way you can go up to the Roberts Peak rock yeah. like the extra credit to the right when you're going up um, what used to be the bitch number three yeah you, they'd be sitting there and like they'd take turns trying to make that and like who there'd be like one person trying to make it and two or three people standing on the side of the trail just just screaming pedal 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 uh-huh. and you'd get there and it would be kind of like like they were super intense. It wow. Was, yeah, those were the good old days. It's like a weird derivation of hill climbing on a dirt bike. Man, hill climbing on a dirt bike is so much fun though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the, that was they were thinking, well, that's so much fun. How can we do this on bikes? Yeah. Uh but yeah, they had like full suspensions, riser bars, huge bar ends, huge seats, dropper forks and big sticky rear tires. Yeah. And like 20 tooth chain rings. Yeah. And bullets. Santa Cruz bullets. Was yeah. Their big thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was legendary bike. That, that era of bullet. You put a monster, you put a junior T on that, <laughs> man, that was, that was quite the bike. They were strong. They were, it was like one of the first bikes that like you could ride it hard and maybe it wouldn't break. Yeah. Like that was back in the day when like if you really rode hard and you were big, you might big like you were probably gonna break some bikes. Right. I never did. I c I can't believe I never broke bikes. But I'm a little on the light side and I'm a little on the like I don't like to slam into stuff side. 
And you also, I mean, you've owned a bike shop since 1996, so you haven't necessarily had to have bikes for extended like years. That's true. Although a lot of these people were breaking bikes like every six months that I rode oh, with. Oh, true. Yeah. People I rode with. Yeah. And um, you know what I think a factor is? I, I always saw the trail through like a skateboarder's lens a little bit. Okay. Or, and I, I always was looking for like how do you smooth it out and how do you like not how do you make how do you go with the transitions like right yeah that makes sense well and you rode a hardtail pretty aggressively for a while too so that but people were breaking them <laughs> like i remember like my friend mark had a khs aluminum hardtail and he was going down the luge and like the front the head tube just came off oh, God. like and i just rem- and then he got another one like and it happened again and like like people would just break bikes, yeah. My even downhill bikes, yeah. There was that thing for a while where all the downhill bikes were can openering themselves with the top crown, and everyone was losing head tubes. Oh, geez. like there was a, a, a like all these setups. It turned out if you like turned your bars too hard, the like top crown just crimped the down tube and. Helped you break your head tube off. <laughs> oh my god! Learning curve. Bikes have gotten a lot better. Yeah. So, what else? What other benefits or, or downsides? I mean, obviously, the downside I think of a smaller rear wheel is you just don't get the traction and rollover on the rear. Right. But for gravity, it's more about the front brake for traction. It's yep. more about the front tire for traction and turns. Yep. Um. And the rollover, I think a lot of the good gravity riders manage that by weighting and unweighting. Yeah. I mean, to a degree. I mean, there's only so, like, if you're going through, like, prolonged high-speed bumps, there's only so much of that you can do, right? But So, uh, just before we lose it, though, but looping back to the tire, are you saying when running mixed wheel sizes, you would be comfortable running a slightly fatter tire? Yeah, I do think that was, that is a thing and will be a thing and. Because I yeah. think it's all about that, like, pizza cutter traction in the front. Yeah. And in the rear, you want it to float around a little bit more. And right. um, maybe get a little more rim protection. So maybe a 2.5 in the front, a 2.4 in the... Or 2.5, 2.4. 2.6, 2.5, 2.6, 2.4. Yeah. Like, we'll see how it goes. Okay. So with this mixed wheel size, it's now not out of the question to run a wider tire. Well, back. and keeping in mind that what we're talking about now is still... is. Maybe the air volume under between your rim and the ground and the tire patch mm-hmm. is still bigger in the front, even if with a slightly narrower tire, maybe. Possibly. Which yeah. I think is an important factor. Like that's a thing to tune for maybe as well as like how long is your tire patch? What how or what's the total surface area of your tire patch? Right. And how much air is between or like how much space is between the tire and the rim? Right. And possibly mixed rim width choices. Yeah, right? Like a dirt bike. Yeah. I mean, the front and the rear wheel are on different pages. Rim diameter, width. And it's a narrower front wheel, narrower front rim, narrower front tire. Correct, yeah. There was an experimental period in dirt bikes. Well, it was available. You could always get a a one inch smaller front wheel. That was a thing they were doing for a while. It was a 20 inch front instead of a 21. Is that for short people? You know, I'm not totally clear on what the benefits were. And I know a handful offer, like I don't think motocross guys did it. 
I think it was an off-road thing. And I'm not 100% clear on what the what the rationale was. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I definitely plan to try. I think that I do think that um, the Mega Tower is a good bike for the mixed wheel size because it has relatively short chain stays, almost even for a 27 and a half, 17 inch chain stays. Okay. And um, you can fl- you can put it in the high position, which will help. I mean, it'll oh, still right. be a super low bottom bracket and a slacker seat angle than it was meant to have, but it'll level it back out a little bit. It's got so it's got flip chips for a wheelbase and flip chips for a wide ride height. Yes. Okay. So there's a flip chip on the chip on the shock mount for bottom for ride height. Yeah. And then one out by the dropout for chain stay length. Which I got the impression was more the setup for like the large, extra large, and double XL to get a little extra length. I think that's probably mostly true. That was because I know it's my understanding Menar from time to time is a fan of running longer chain stays. Yeah. And I also think too, like maybe if we were riding World Cup courses, we maybe would want longer chain stays because you're going so fast. Yeah, I like could just see that. any extra wheelbase might be nice. Like just anything. Yeah, because like, it might all. Like, I just remember picking my way down Lenzer Hyde and feeling like, like you could swap ends real easy in a course like that. Like, okay, it's like just steep and bumpy and like obstacles. Right, <laughs> that and, makes sense. And those those are powerful athletes that can power through a turn, even right. with a longer wheelbase, probably. Like, yeah. I I had heard that um I think Kevin Ayalo, he's a local like domestic KHS pro was they were welding him custom longer rear ends for his downhill bikes. He's always on the front end of different trends. He always, he like he recently for example, he had the hand brush guards on his bike. Oh, okay. He's a funny kid. I've gone dirt biking with him and hung out with him in Fontana and Laguna and stuff. He's a good guy. Nice. Definitely a good sense of humor. Is he still riding for KHS? I think he was, and then he wasn't, and I think maybe now he is again. But okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, I got the impression they were able to build him some custom stuff upon request. He back when I was racing Fontana a lot, he was pretty much the the perennial junior cha- junior um, expert champ, which is like pretty tough class. And often yeah. his times were like pro times. Uh, that yeah, yeah. I, I remember hearing rumors. He was like, like Luke's hero at the time. nice uh so yeah we saw loic bruni racing martin mays has done the hat trick for enduro world series on it and then we'll see what happens coming up in two weeks i think uh for the world cup down next world cup downhill race yep and then i think there's another ews rolling up here too which we've been showing those races in the tustin shop at our like service counter bar, people have been hanging out. If people want to come in and hang out, and talk. the downhill or either uh, like this, just like stuff that mostly stuff that's on Red Bull TV. So this last weekend it was the cross country race. Oh yeah, that's right. P- pretty fun though. Yeah, it's especially I mean that stuff. It's kind of only sort of fun for me to watch that stuff by myself. But when other people are stoked about it and like cheering when weird stuff happens and stuff, it's pretty fun. Uh, side question: I was wondering if you knew this. Is Red Bull TV? A self-supporting entity separate from Red Bull now? I don't know. Oh, okay. I was curious if you... That seemed like a piece of information you might have in your pocket, but... That's a good question. I, I hadn't thought of that or heard 
Makes sense, maybe. Although I can't see red. I don't know. I think at this point, well, not that they're completely separate, but that Red Bull Media is self-sustaining now. Right. It's not just an advertisement for an energy drink. It's a media outlet with its own maybe like profitable income statement. Right. Like you, they could stop selling the energy drink and Red Bull Media would still be... Do they have other operable. sponsors? I don't. I I'm not I'm not clear on that. So maybe maybe they'd have to sell sponsorship. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure where the income exactly comes from because I thought it was all advertising for other Red Bull media and Red Bull drink. Maybe I, I don't yeah, know. it's weird. It's all branded, but whatever it is for alternative sports, I think Red Bull is a power for good. <laughs> yeah, they seem to they put out cool content. Yeah, and and they they seem to fund all the races like all sorts they're really exploratory about like yeah we're gonna do hockey downhill slalom toboggan obstacle course racing like that do you ever see the crushed ice thing it's crazy no oh no but that sounds crazy think like a, a ice luge run <laughs> with obstacles jumps and hockey players racing down it so it's like an ice Okay. No, I have like seen that. It's like downhill ice skate racing. Right. That's weird stuff. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. Society might be over, almost over. <laughs> <laughs> that might be an end time sign. I'm not sure. But the rad thing is, is there's an inflatable Red Bull arch at the finish line. I can <laughs> tell you that. Man, when was the last time you drank Red Bull? Oh, man. I don't drink that stuff unless it's with vodka. And even then, that's like hard drugs to me. I, I remember I was in uh, I was in college and I was getting into bike trials, you know, like hoppy hoppy trials, hippity like, hops, hippity hops, and uh, I somehow got connected with this motorcycle trials team that did demos, and so I'd go out and do demos with them, like trials shows, and we we're at one that was like Red Bull event, and they were just giving away Red Bull, and um, wait, you were one of the riders in the trial show? Yeah. Whoa. Oh yeah, I did this. I probably half a dozen times I was a rider in the trial show. Uh, the big one I did was in downtown Albuquerque in college th- via a bike shop in Albuquerque. Did you ever do that thing where you like make us like ride a circle around the venue and raise one hand in the air? Uh, no, I, I didn't do that. Uh, I didn't do the crowd, the Hans Ray crowd <laughs> hop over thing. Uh, no, we just do like trial stuff. And at one point you had, had a trials like, motorcycle. No, no, this was Trials Bicycle. Oh, okay. okay. So, uh, I've seen your trial skills. I definitely could see that. And uh, But we did it with the bike, the motorcycle guys. Okay, now I so get it. So we would be riding, they would be riding, and so it would be like, oh. It makes more the-? sense to me now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, I think I drank like four Red Bulls because they were giving away for free. And also in college, I, I don't know if this was an error, if they still do it, but Every once in a while, Red Bull would show up on the college campus and girls would just walk around, here, have a Red Bull, have a Red Bull. They'd I think they might out. still do that. Yeah. I think someone tried to hire one of my daughters to do that. Ah. <laughs> Red Bull or Monster? I assume Monster probably I does the same thing. Red Bull, I don't know. You carry a backpack full of Red Bull, just giving out Red Bull. Yeah. It's rocket fuel. Yeah, it's probably not good for you. It doesn't feel good. No, it sure didn't when I drank three or four of them. And I think I was 19 at the time and probably more adaptable Yeah, pretty to bulletproof it. back then. <laughs> and it's still... Too uh, stupid. Like, I felt like... I feel like back then, like... So, like, my daughter, she's three, and, like, she can't figure out when she's cold. 
Okay. Like she doesn't understand that she's cold and she'll say she's not and her like lips are turning blue and she's shivering. And like I feel like like when I was 19 I wasn't fully like I knew when I was cold but I didn't necessarily know when something was making me sick. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I four or five Red Bulls I was like mm. kind of like my dog can't always figure it out like I'll just keep eating this like <laughs> It's delicious. It might not be here tomorrow. Uh, so back to wheel size. I want to beat this to death for a little while. Okay, just wheel sizing. It yeah. Up. So two two things is tw- is twenty seven and a half plus dead. I think front and rear. I'm not. I, I'm certainly not seeing. And maybe not. I mean, for e bikes, it's not dead. But I think that I think the hot ticket for if I bought an e bike, what I would want is a twenty seven five plus rear and a twenty nine front. Right. Okay. So is our twenty seven and a half plus front and rear bikes dead? This sounds bad, but I think un- they were dead on arrival to a lot of people. There's a certain demographic that might still be interested. Mm. I I was at REI recently. Uh, it's weird that you said REI as your next word. Okay, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was at REI this weekend, and because uh, there's a nice burger place right next to the one untested, and uh, we finished. It's like, oh, I want to go walk around REI. Yeah, sure. And uh, they had an REI brand bike, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a nice looking bike. The REI brand bike is twenty seven five pl- front and rear, and to that point, they know their demographic. Mm. <laughs> So my buddy Jason from Jersey, who owns Halters, yeah. he swears by him. Okay. And he's a good rider, and maybe part of it's East Coast. Right. Um, Sunday seems to still kind of like him. Okay. It does seem like they're dead, though, as far as like marketability. I, f- I feel like the person who buys a 27.5 front and rear bike for sure has a Joshua Tree sticker on their Subaru. 27.5 plus. 27.5 plus. Right. So it's like... It's like go to Patagonia and then keep going in styling for like another several hundred yards and then make a left and then right. and then like sun bleach it. Yeah. There there is for sure like Tevas and a Joshua Tree sticker <laughs> on the Subaru <laughs> and <laughs> um it's uh for sure that Subaru is packed with rock climbing gear and a mountain bike for every trip. Right, like Evan from the shop too might be like kind of on board with all this. He has rock climbing gear. I don't know if he has a Subaru, but I bet he wishes he does. So it, and does the rock climbing gear live in the car Probably. Might be a little stinky. Yeah, it's next to – there's shoes. And, and the clothes, the clothes shopping experience of this customer, the clothes are multi-purpose. It reminds so, me. I was at REI the other day, and there was this guy shopping for sunglasses with his wife. And I actually I can't get this line out of my head for weeks. He's sitting there, and he's the the salesperson's trying to help him, and his wife's trying to help him, and he's trying on a lot of sunglasses. And and again, I'm not trying to make a fashion statement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think. Uh, at one point in my career, I've mentioned this before, I worked at Oakley, and I believe um, uh, $150 plastic face jewelry mm. was the phrase that came across. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. not trying to make a 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure he was debated between Smith and Suncloud. His his um outfit definitely had made it clear already that he wasn't trying to probably make a fashion statement. Were there socks and tivas? Probably some Ooh. all kinds and and yeah, all kinds of good stuff. Ooh, socks and tivas. <laughs> if not, then there was just a general vibe that could promote that sort of attitude. Yeah. Uh. I, I think the new version of socks and tivas is toe socks and bedrock sandals. <laughs> <laughs> it's evolved a little bit. This guy might have been like the slightly more blue collar version of this. Ah, okay. Like his, like he had more of like a fishing, or like a, like maybe he does some fishing as well. For some reason, <laughs> I feel like there might have been a foxhead t-shirt. <laughs> Maybe, oh, maybe like a really faded and old like fox a head dad belt mounted phone case, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The phone is substantial; it clips on the belt. Yeah. Well, you don't want it in your pocket. <laughs> 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 oh dear. Uh, <laughs> that's so, a that's a twenty seven five plus customer. So okay, so <laughs> sorry, that's so bad. So twenty seven five plus. I have been accused of being an elitist. The dorky wheel size. Oh, <laughs> <as they laughs> <laughs> uh, forgive me. I, I know it's not. I just. I mean, like Sanjay's the least dorky person I know, and he'll shred everyone on twenty-seven five plus. So we, I, I <laughs> walk it back a little bit. <laughs> and Fair my enough. buddy Jason in Jersey really is only a dork when he wants to be, right? Like when he's celebrating it. So. Yeah, but then so twenty seven F plus maybe dead. But then like in two years, who's buying even just regular twenty seven five front and rear? That's that's where I'm a little bit torn. I, I if you ask me today, and I've had this conversation a couple of times, I think smalls go on twenty seven five, larges and extra larges on up go on um, twenty nine and medi- in a medium frame you can pick. But with the mixed wheel size, I don't know. So. Let's say we're not talking about mixed wheel sizes for a second. Okay. And like who's going to buy just a straight 27 and a half? And I think you're right to a degree that there's some height stuff going on there. I've also noticed that I, I've i noticed this a little bit in the used market. Because I, I, every once in a while I buy a used frame um, for various reasons. Um, I recently had a whole bunch of 27.5 parts lying around and I got a good deal on a giant frame and just squished all those parts together to sell as a clump and I needed something to hold them all together. So I found a reasonably priced old rain frame. So I I do like to peruse the used market on Pink Bike and it does seem to be tracking like pricing and popularity and like in the real estate world they call it days on market. Um seem to be following a little bit of a size demarcation and wheel size. So like someone selling a extra large 27.5 right now they're having a tough time so i think that's where your wheel size statement is the most true okay where like i think the big 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 tall big and tall set yeah like there's just not a lot of reason or place in the world for them to have any if anything maybe they should all be on bigger than 29 i uh if it was available i'd be interested in it right i mean when when 29 came out, a lot of the big tall people were like, man, I finally feel like I'm not really on top, just sitting perched way up over the wheels on top of everything. And, right. Or the way Andrew from Shimano said it to me, 
you feel like you're on top of a square instead of inside of a rectangle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. It's like the old bikes, you're sitting on top of a square, and now you're sitting inside a rectangle. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew always has insightful things to say. So <laughs> um, we should have him on someday. And uh, so, but on the other end of that, I do know a lot of short people who like big wheels, especially f- for, you know, for everything. But I, I, I would venture a guess that they complain about long chain stays and butt buzz. Okay, but so like the front wheel. If they're not riding a lot of gnar, they don't. Okay. So for example, like a lot a lot of people just want a bike that has good traction and control and that's hard to go over the bars and that's an efficient it's that's efficient at covering ground. And so for that rider, they don't really care. That rider doesn't care that much about the long chain stays. Okay. And they are not spending so much time on the steeps where they're really getting the butt buzz a lot. That would make sense. So like if mostly, for example, if like you're mostly riding whiting in the luge. Okay. And like, and if maybe the luge is kind of on the gnar side of what you like, which we have that custom, like that's actually a, maybe the bigger half of our custom, like a bigger half. That's a misnomer, but okay. um, figuratively bigger half. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people just aren't gnarly enough to need short chain stays and get behind, be able to get way behind the seat and get their weight really low. Right. Um, and then there's that person, too, who can throw it around anyway, even though they're small and maybe they're, maybe they're strong and or have, like, good understanding of weight balance and leverage points. It's maybe the same person who can throw around a big dirt bike, you know, like. Yeah. Okay. Um so there's that, but I do think for sure the the bigger the bike, the bigger the rider, the more they might want big wheels for sure. But even yeah. on the small, even on the smalls and mediums, especially on mediums, it seems like more and more the people who are buying twenty seven and a half are either making a budget based decision or. Because there are more deals on twenty seven and a half right now, right, right, or they are um a very looking for a very specific type of riding, like they like like maybe they really want to do like a lot of jib type moves, right, and they and they really believe that that smaller wheel is going to help them, like if they want to do like a bunny hop. 180 to rear wheel to 360 or whatever nose pick to manual to you know to rear wheel slide on the edge of the curb to or the edge of the um tree stump to flat and (laughs) out over what you like the like the videos that the uh, the 50 to 1 videos and that kind of stuff right like they're all on 50 tens yeah okay so for that style of riding i think smaller wheels okay and I think that ride fantasy will live on even if it's like a smaller segment. Right. Um, well, I have a friend who was pretty dead set against 29 for a long time, and he's going 29 recently. Yeah, I think... he He's made the switch. Yeah. And he was like adamant, like, get those hula hoops away from me. Those wagon wheels. So what did he say? Did he eat his words like 
Uh, you know, I don't talk to him that much, but I, my guess is that just the current trend and how things are going, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you can tread on that too. Yeah. And, and probably get some benefit out of it. Some people even say that, you know, like once train 29s get introduced to the trail, they change the trail. Like the braking bumps are 29 spaced now. Oh, interesting. For example. So huh. like, it's like they ruined the trail for smaller wheels and you have to get bigger wheels. <laughs> I have heard that argument. I I have a tough time believing in the specifics of that, but I but I do think there's a proportionality difference. Like I I was riding through Laguna and I I saw a r- rider that I know, really tall guy, probably six three, and he's still riding a twenty seven five. I'm like, it looks like a clown bike to me. Yeah, and uh, it's disproportional. Yeah, and uh, I'm borrowing the the shop. Uh, extra large pivot firebird 29 right now and when i look at that bike everything looks proportional like it's hard for i have to like is that a 29 it doesn't jump out at you as a 29 the lines on that bike are really good i like the lines on that bike yeah and from riding that bike what's that you've been riding that bike i i started riding that bike yeah have you ridden it enough to give like a little review of it uh i mean i've ridden it once so far yeah let's wait um, and I, unless you have preliminary stuff you want to say, I, impressed so far. Oh, did the big should, bird? Nathan is impressed by the big bird. Did I? I uh, well, I did post on Instagram, but I'll I'll share it with the listeners who maybe aren't on Instagram. Is uh, I picked up the bike, and uh, my plan is to race it this coming weekend. And I I took a glance and it was missing the extractor cap on the crank. You know, there's the self extractor cap, and I was like, ah, shoot, man, darn. And I was like, kind of thinking about it. I was like, you know, I was like, at first, I was like, ah, no big deal. It's like, well, if I'm traveling and I'm in a pinch and I got to pull that crank off, that's going to be a pain. I'm going to have to like bum one from someone else, which is kind of a tall order. Hey, can I disassemble your crank? I need that part. And uh, so I was like, ah, I should tell the shop. They probably don't have one in stock. It's probably an order item. And I was like, ah, forget it. Forget it. I, I, I got a bunch to get ready before I get jump on the road. I don't really want to keep running back and forth to the shop. I'll just live with it. Took it out for his first ride on Saturday. Get, you know, get the suspension dialed in and all that. You know, I'm going back and forth with my girlfriend. Hey, where do you want to ride? Ah, let's ride here. Okay. Like we're deciding where we're going to go as we're leaving the house. Um, we decide on the trail on the way, you know, everything's decided as we're going. Oh, you want to do this trail? Yeah, let's do this trail. A quarter of the way up the trail, I look down. There's the, there's a, I don't know if it's the one, but it's a one. Let's just pretend it's the one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. The uh, universe was fully synced up for you at that moment. Yeah, I looked down. I was like, no way. Was, that is ridiculous. It was exactly what I need. I threaded it right out. I was like, that's amazing. That is ridiculous. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It reminds me of the Amy Schumer universe bit. I I don't think I'm familiar oh, it's with so the universe good. bit. She, it's just the gist of it is that it's this person just saying that it, it's kind of like if you if whatever happens and whatever ter- outcomes of the terrible choices you make, you're just like, well, it's meant to be. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's basically the bit, except the line is universe. Oh, like no. the universe decided. It was. It was very surprising. I was like, do I buy a lottery ticket or am I going to about to get struck by lightning? I'm not sure what my karmic bank account is at this point, but I'm pretty stoked I found that. Just expand the love in your heart and there's no limit to the karma that you can experience. <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> I did leave it in the pocket of my shirt, so it, it got installed on the bike nice and clean. I, I washed those <laughs> shorts and went through the washer machine. It's like, oh, yeah, it's in the pocket. I pulled it out and popped it on. That's awesome. So I was pretty stoked about that. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to riding it. Preliminary ride, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with it. Yeah, so bike industry, you, you guys should hire us to help you develop 31-inch tires and rims. Oh, yeah. And mixed wheel size bikes. <laughs> here we, we're here, bike industry, if you want us. And by develop, um, I think we've established step one. Step two is deliver us finished product, and we'll let you know if we we'll like tell it. You it's, <laughs> we'll tell you what's wrong with it. <laughs> so uh, do the CAD, invest in the molds, establish the part numbers, BOMs, first samples, uh, make sure they come off the mold all right. Send them our way. We'll have some feedback along the way, though. Yeah, we'll we'll go from there. I mean, I think maybe some feedback. But don't talk to me until there's something to ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Fox, Maxis, DT, get your shit together. Yeah, get your life. <laughs> I need all of you talking quickly. So what else? Did we hit everything we wanted to hit? I, I think I think we definitely beat on the wheel topic, but I think that's justified because it, it's all coming to fruition. And well, and like I'm trying cool. to figure out what bikes to buy next year. Is anybody, and like even this year, it's like wait, like am I going to restock process twenty seven and a half medium? Like I'm having that real serious hard dilemma right now. I mean, I would vote am I for probably going to restock medium. Like how are how many nomads and Bronsons are we gonna sell moving forward with the mega tower dominating and yeah? Like. Well, I I also think there might be a particular uh, and and my girlfriend's fairly short, so I've been shopping, looking around for different bikes for her. What might which is by the way, that's a whole nother rabbit hole that I've been mind wrapping because for the longest time I've only been making bike decisions for in light of someone my size. Yeah. How tall is she? Five one. Okay. And so I'm trying to make bike decisions for her, which is way harder. And like all the proportions are different, different geometry things, drive like seat tube angle, for example, way less important for her. Well, it's still probably important, but the, the requirements are different. Right. And uh it, it affects saddle position less depend you know like tall guys mm. as it extends it can really i would argue that as it goes down it can really go forward just as many centimeters <laughs> true it could go the other way i mean it um, does i mean it i mean um it's a it's an al- a pretty basic algebra equation right like it, <laughs> <laughs> um the other concern that i've had is that uh chain stay length is a much bigger percentage of the overall wheelbase. So a yep. five millimeter chainstay length is a big percentage, bigger percentage shift. Right. It's um, also like a lot. There's that thing where it, if you can't pretty much, if you're so far back behind, like if your legs are so extended back to get your butt and, or hips over the rear axle mm-hmm. that you don't, that you're no longer like in a powerful position, that's like brutal. Right. So like if, if the chain stays like five millimeters further out from there for you, like that's like, yeah, that could be a crucial five millimeters. Yeah. I will say, you know, Kim works at the shop. She's about five one and her favorite, I think so far for kind of like trail and fun riding is the intrigue, extra small intrigue from live giant. Oh yeah. And they only made it in carbon at first. 
mm-hmm. but they just today, I think, and and this should have been news. They just today announced that they're doing an aluminum one for twenty eight hundred bucks. Oh, nice! With like you know, SX Eagle and stuff. Right. Oh, that's cool. Or whatever, something kind of twelve speed. Oh. I don't know if there's SX Eagle. That might not be a thing yet. <laughs> no, it is because it's on that bike, and they announced it. I've got to be in the clear. What you're telling me, SRAM's making more Eagle products? No. Yeah, there is what? SX Eagle. Sweet. So is that below NX? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that bike has NX Eagle. Maybe there isn't SX Eagle yet. someday I'm sure there will be. Yeah. But uh, I, I guess going back to wheel size and popularity, I've also shopped the used market for frames and things, and I'm looking at 27.5 smalls. Those are still hard to come by. Uh, they're harder to come by, and yeah. I think they get they get sold quicker. Like I'll see one, and then oh, it's sold or that kind of thing. And it's like large 29s and small 27.5s are kind of hard to. But then you switch them, and all of a sudden they sit they're there for three months trying to get sold and it's kind of some somewhat the same in the bike shop yeah i i would imagine i mean it's just trend and popularity yeah and but it's, it's also, also even on mediums and smalls like the movement is towards 29 the trend is towards 29 interesting not not necessarily that we're now selling more 29 and small for enduro style bikes and trail bikes but that's the faster growing category. It seems like that would that would make sense. But uh, we we can do an, a, a future show on how bikes fit different. But it's, someday yeah. we'll just see how it all played out and let everyone know. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be totally cut and dry. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. It won't be. Uh, or maybe it will. I mean, 26 is pretty cut and dry. What happened to that? Yeah. Adios. Dios mío, man. <laughs> Is anybody making a 27.5 dirt jumper? Has it died out of even dirt jumper land? I don't think that's a thing. Okay. Still 26 in dirt jumper land. Yeah. The like four dirt jumpers that got sold this year were probably 26. <laughs> I know. Talk about a dead category. Um, How far in are we? We're in, we're in hour 15. Did you want to do a question or wrap it? If you have one queued up, I don't. I was looking at them, and it seemed like most of the recent ones were more comments, which is cool. Yeah, we got some some good comments. Um, Let me see if... uh, I think the last one we covered pretty well, which was the... uh, Oh, this was one. Uh, Oh, someone was asking about an X-Fusion dropper post that I was impressed with. Uh, and he's looking at the X-Fusion Manic or the 1-Up, um, but the X-Fusion comes with a nice-looking lever. Uh, yeah, so the X-Fusion that I felt, I had a friend who bought a Specialized off-the-shelf, and their low-end bikes come with some version of an X-Fusion. I don't... I My guess is that is not an aftermarket available one. It's a 34.9 that comes on those Specialized Stump Jumpers. And I... I was just saying that X-Fusion felt particularly good. Though The other one that I've felt, um, uh, I know you guys have had good luck with the 1-Ups. I think the 1-Up is a good choice. I have my gripes. They've already redesigned it. Yeah, they already redesigned it. Uh, the one that I think might be a sleeper, which I felt the other day, which felt amazing, like the lever felt super soft, 
and the action felt good is the SDG Telus. I have one of those I'm supposed to demo. I was, yeah, yeah, maybe follow up on the next show because I, my first, like, you know, I just grabbed a bike, pushed the lever, pushed it down and up. I was like, whoa, that was really cool. Like, hmm. that thing felt good. All right. Like, I'll try to remember to demo it. The lever and the and the push force were all really light light action, which I, I, I appreciate. Yeah, me too. Um, so maybe look into that one. I mean, there's lots of good options. Um, and you know, what? I'm I'm curious on your opinion because I I made this recommendation for a friend, and I I feel kind of bad actually. Is I I recommended the Crank Brothers one, and the push force on the Chronolog. No, the, the I new, mean the the Highline Highline, and I. I don't know if it was me. I had a hell of a time setting it up on his bike. Um, I, I built my friend's bike for him, and we got him that uh, that uh, Crank Brothers. The push force on the lever is really, really high. The return speed is kind of inconsistent. And, and here's the mistake that I made on that one, and I'm curious if you had any... Sim- I, I totally fucked up the install, like straight up. That kind of spiral-shaped plastic thing? But there's a sticker that is wrapped around that shows you how to clock the thing. And the sticker is put on kind of loosely. And as I was unpacking it, I was like, Oh, and it just said push had an arrow and said close. I was like, this is a sticker to tell me to turn the ring clockwise to tighten it. Get like, and it was loose. I thought it supposed to come off, but it was a landmark on how to align the Mm. damn thing. I spent hours trying to figure out like reverse engineer how to, how to clock it. Oh, I was man. looking at pictures on the internet that showed the bottom, like the release pictures trying to figure I don't think I got it right. And I will say I was bummed. I, I've run that post a bit and is the, the return f- speed was left something to be desired. It's okay. It returns slow and it, it, and it's not something where you can like add air or do something to make it return faster. What do you remember the push force being high on the lever? Like you have to push really hard. Probably compare mine. It, I don't remember it, it so much that it, like it jumps out at me, but I do think it wasn't as light action as like some other setups. Okay, so those two things. So then I think I might have it set up because the return speed is slow, the push force is high. Those two things combined are frustrating. But the push force isn't like crazy high, right? And the return speed is only slow if you're like know what a good return speed feels like. <laughs> yeah, it's basically I, I recommended it to a friend. I, I was like, hey, I heard these aren't too bad. And I, I regret it. Oh, I, I feel bad. And uh, so um, there's so many dropper posts out there, and there's good ones and, and bad ones. I actually have the new Manitou one, which I've been pretty happy with. It's a little high on the return force on the bottom of the stroke, but it's actually surprisingly decent. And I weighed it. It weighed the same as the Fox one. It's got an extruded, a Does really it have nice like clamp. a sealed up um, like cartridge that pulls out. Or? I, I haven't disassembled it to, to look at it, but um, it's uh, I, I, that's definitely a sleeper post and not one that. I think a lot of people are going to seek out in the seed. Well, from the consumer standpoint, I think they have some work to do on like supply chain, like parts, um, small parts supply chain and like having someone answering the phone over there. From my understanding, I hear they're, they're working on it. Um, And I think they're definitely trying to up their game in the mountain bike world. And I think they've got some steps to go. Maybe, maybe bring Bobby Acuna back. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hmm. Um, but yeah, dropper posts. So as far as budget dropper posts, I mean, let's be honest too. They're they're probably only coming from a certain number of factories, and like I think certain brands have their own house brands. But you know, one of the ones you guys recommend that you can always service is the Reverb. Um, if you don't like the hydraulic hose, Wolf Tooth makes a, a nice adapter kit that makes it a cable actuated. I do like the hydraulic hose. I will acknowledge that compared to like some Fox and KS models, the reverb might need attention a little more often. Especially but, if you don't want it to like sag five millimeters at the top. Right. But they've gotten a lot better on that topic. Like the B1 is not nearly as bad as the A2 on that but and also i just i feel like i would rather rebuild it once a year than buy a new cartridge every year and a half or two years even if it's about the same price right and i do think that's kind of roughly the trade-off yeah um and the reason being because um just too often i've seen people have to wait a really long time for a cartridge and it, it yeah. just never happens with a reverb. Yeah. The the one cartridge that I, I thought was nice is the Giant, uh, I think, is a nice budget post. And the Bontrager, I think it's called the Highline also. But, like, even Giant, like... But they use Some the of the first-generation Giant posts, you can't get a cartridge for anymore, even. Oh, uh, yeah. And those were cool. old. It was a long time ago. And Yeah. Dropper posts are... So, I'm going to... Uh, on my new bikes, which will arrive when they do, I need to be patient. Um, I got I got um, yoke revives for them. So, uh, and I have a coworker who's super picky, and he has a couple on his bike, and he's been really happy with them. Yeah, but they're really expensive, and I I don't know what their supply chain on parts. I don't know. At what point they actually need to be rebuilt? I I know one person was like, "You never have to rebuild it. You just it's self bleed. You know, you just turn the knob and bleed it." I'm like, at some point you need to service it. Yeah, it's it's not indestructible. I mean, if it burps air, which the design is so that it can easily burp air, but then you can easily get it back out. But it's it's not indestructible. Which one is this again? I'm sorry, the yoke. Okay, right. The, the revive because the new reverb has a button kind of like that too. The I think excess reverb. Right. I think they borrowed borrowed it. Oh, our, can well, I borrow one of your cigarettes? <laughs> <laughs> our, I think they came to a similar methodology on how to bleed that system out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the SDG might be a little bit of a sleeper, and it Could does be. it does have a one seventy option. One seventy, one fifty, one twenty five. Um, definitely not one that was on my on my scope of attention. To me, I, the fact that the um, one up is shimmable and tr- in travel or in drop is real a real differentiating yes. quality that to me has a lot of it pulls a lot of weight for me, especially I, if yeah. you can utilize it. And I think the new ones are even sh- over, have even shorter overall lengths per drop than the old ones, which already were short for their drop. Right. So. Yeah, that that is one thing. So, again, going back to my girlfriend's bike, uh, 
she's five one, and I can run a one fifty dropper on her bike because of the overall length with of the one up. Yeah, with a one up, which is pretty awesome. Yes, that's that's amazing. Did she ever find a seat she likes? Yes. Uh, she, that was a long, drawn out problem. Yeah, it was a SQ Labs sixty um, X which is essentially the same as their it's an ergo wave one so like their 611 or their 612 models but it, they call it an e-bike specific one and then that particular model they make a 160 so that was it and it's 100% resolution or just way better uh it seems like that's that's her saddle now now the downside is she has trouble getting behind the saddle cuz right. it's wide yeah yeah um the upside is she's actually sitting on her sit bones now probably worth it most of the time i th- for her. the discussions we've had is it's worth the trade-off yeah it's definitely worth the trade-off um it, the moral of that story is the size of the person does not correlate to the size the width of your sit bones yeah and to that point really like it really like how wide the person is doesn't correlate either so like right. Like you could have quote unquote birther hips and narrow sit bones or or you could be like one of those like rail skinny hip people and have wide sit bones. It just it depends where both. your uh where ischial tuberosities it has nothing to do with your hip width. Correct. Your sit bone width does not correlate to your hip width. Right. It's a little counterintuitive that it doesn't, but it really doesn't. No, it's where the bumps are on your hips, not the width of your hips. It is connected to the same bone structure. Right. <laughs> well, we were trying to unclose this weekend. She's a zero. So it's it's not that. Right. But yeah, it was it was one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, you ride this out. She's like, yeah, this one's kind of comfortable. And we eventually measured. And I was like, wait, let me measure you again. Wait, one more time. Went to the shop. Hey, can you measure her and make sure like she's an outlier. It was it was an outlier, yeah. And so it took us took us some hunting to find a saddle. But I I'm a huge, uh, probably some bias too, but we tried the, we tried the specialized, um, the new mimic women's mimic saddle. We tried that. That didn't work. And, uh, I'm a fan of SQ labs, but that one ended up being comfortable. Yes. I mean, I found my, I think I know my, my new saddle is the, um, spank spike thing. Oh, I really like it. What's this about? It's just, it's. It's a shape that maybe is it's got a lot a lot of uh like flat platform for the sit bones a la like a like a ergo like an s q labs or like a okay. specialized um and it's a little wider up front for like getting up on the nose, which I thought was gonna bother me, but it I really like it okay I mean I knew I would like it when I was utilizing it, but I thought it was gonna rub my inner thighs when I wasn't utilizing it oh, okay, and it doesn't it doesn't. Nice. And um, that's interesting because Spank is not a company that I associate with with working on a heavily ergonomic product. They're more. Right. They're changing. They're they're changing. They're they're really focusing on touch points right now with saddles and grips and pedals. Okay. They're putting, I think, a lot of R&D into it. I always equated them to what's what's the other brand that makes handlebars that that's kind of a bro. Deity. Deity. I always think of Spank and Deity as like competitors. The Deity founder had a really good podcast on the inside line. Oh, it made cool. me want to buy it made me stock Deity stuff more in the shop. Nice. I think they I think some of their handle bends are on point. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think you meant bro in the best possible way. Well, because when well, I say bro, that's a that's probably an insult. No, I think more of like um, their products to me say more like there's a style aspect that's maybe like 26 like, for life roots and 26 for life roots or like a little bit of bike punk, and pink bike punk rock uh motocross like that kind of style right like dirt jumping in 2002 well like for example ergon makes a lot of ripper stuff but they also make like a 25 degree back sweep bar for city bikes deity ain't gonna make that and either is spike right Right, but they might comp- They are going to c- be interested in Ergon's like enduro and downhill grips. People are crazy about that new Ergon saddle. I kind of want to try that too. The women's one and the men's one. Oh yeah, it's a uh, it's. <laughs> they they didn't come out with the men's one. Same, you know. I helped my friend spec his bike. They didn't have the men's one out. I was like, dude, just get the women's one. That saddle's awesome. Because I have the women's one on my cross bike. Unless you look really close, it says er, like W on it. You can't tell. Mm. It just looks like a seat with. It's comfy. Yeah, I I, I have some bad jokes going through my head that I'm not going to make. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like there's a mark on it where certain body parts go or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's indented in the wrong spot. <laughs> Apparently, since they came out with a men's version, it probably is indented in slightly the wrong spot when I sit on it. This thing's not nuts friendly. <laughs> <laughs> it's comfortable enough for me. Man, speaking of gender-specific stuff, I have really lost... My, I don't know what the kind of proper view of women-specific bikes is anymore. or Or like... How like the politically? I don't even know what the politically correct thing to say about should women have their own bike geometry is anymore. Is it akin to they should have their own schools kind of thing? Well, okay, I'm gonna give that would be terrible. I'm gonna give two opposing quotes from women that I respect. Okay. So one is basically just not a quote, but one basically makes so Amanda Batty on Instagram. I follow her on Instagram. She's got kind of a fun Instagram. I think she used to have her show on Mountain Bike Radio. Probably. So she um, she made some interesting points about, you know, she never believed in woman-specific geometry and bikes are for people and people, like, you know. And, you know, Specialized was always a really big advocate of, you know, different, you know, you don't just shrink it and pink it. You actually make different geometry and design it from the ground up for women. Right. And they've recently abandoned that and they've gone to like gender neutral bikes or whatever. Okay. Um, and then on the other side of the argument, just this great line from one of the, from, um, I'm not going to say, but it's just this great line is like, I'm not going to wear men's jeans. Yeah. I mean, kind of sums it up, I think, in one line. Um, but then there's also like, you know, a lot of the conventional women's geometries, quote unquote, women's geometries, maybe they're designed around something that's not exactly every woman, right? Like, you know, there's one of the things that I, I always, for just an example, I always heard about is like, oh, the proportion of the torso and the legs are different. And um, I, I've still been meaning to look this up. At, at work, we have this book. You can get it on Amazon. It's 
used a lot. It's on anthropomorphic studies. The book's called The Measure of Man. It looks like a coffee table book. It's a consumer written book. It's not like a super textbook. It's got pages. But it has real it has real statistics in it. No, no, it's got like charts and it says like 99th percentile woman, 50th percentile woman. Those are statistics. 1 percentile. Yeah, right. 1 percentile woman and then it's got like every measurement like Elbow to shoulder, shoulder to forearm, length right. of index finger, length of femur, length of leg, length of like where the waist is, where the neck is, where the head is, width of head. Like it's got like dozens and dozens of dimensions on these. And I've been meaning to look if there's a torso difference in the fifty and fiftieth and fiftieth, if there's a torso ratio difference. I've, so I suspect that if there is, it's not enough to where you can really accurately to where you're going to, like, win that bet a lot, like, a big majority of the time. Right, where the bike needs... You know, in one- other words, there's lots of... I know lots of dudes who are all leg and no torso, and lots of dudes who are all torso and no legs, and I know lots of women who are both of those categories. Right. And um, there there might be a, a trend one way or the other. With There might be a trend towards longer legs and shorter torsos with women, but I don't believe that... The trend is um, predominant enough to really capture a, a, an important amount of the population by catering to it that way. I'm not sure. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the early observations is it looked like the top tubes were too long for women when they were riding bikes. And I think probably or possibly, possibly a lot of them were just jumping on a borrowed bike that was too big. They were just riding bikes that were too big for them. Not that the bike was proportioned wrong. The bike was just, in general, too big. It's not that you need a women-specific bike. You just need a bike that fit you. You need a small instead of a medium. Right. And so then people look at that and go like, oh, well, women have long legs and short torsos because they're too stretched out over that bike. I'm like, no, you're just on the wrong Barbie bike. Barbie has long legs and a short torso, so. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, Maybe. But I, I think also some brands, I think, are really aggressive about, like, Pivot always does extra smalls. Right. And then some, like, uh, Santa Cruz does extra smalls, but only in the Giuliano line. And those are the same. We know they're the same frames. Right. Um, so it's not women-specific geometry. Do they just extend the size offering? They bias the size offering smaller for the women's lineup than the men's lineup. It does seem to me that probably women have slightly different saddle needs than men. Yeah, that would totally or make trade-offs. sense. Yeah, absolutely. and even like areas where uh, maybe not though. I mean, I think we both want pressure relief from more or less the same areas for maybe slightly different reasons. But yeah, now I I do think it's pretty solid to say that women typically, on average, are smaller than men. Right. I mean, that's the fifty. I can tell you for sure the fifty percentile woman is shorter than the fifty percentile man. So that would make sense to have components sized appropriately, but the proportions, right? Like torso versus like that, I don't think changes. Right. I need again. I need to double check that, but it's probably not very appreciable. Definitely not something that probably couldn't be taken out with ten millimeters of stem length. Well, it's also something where we see real life examples of the other way all the time, like right. women who are just like, "Well, I have short legs." Like right. Or, you know. And in high-end bike world, I mean, you're probably not selling enough bikes to see these statistical sways. I, I bet if someone did a study, they would probably find that there's a 
maybe a average size that tends to trend with a woman that's interested in mountain biking or and with guys vice versa like guys mountain biking probably on on national average tend to be lighter weight than say the national average because they're healthy they're active they're more fit on if you take the aggregate are there big guys that ride mountain bikes yes but probably general population they trend a little stick figure action heroes yeah exactly Mountain bikers probably tend to be thinner than the general population. I think cyclists in general. I would guess. Again, I'm speculating. Mm, I think you're probably right in America, at least. Yeah. Uh, Probably everywhere else, too. I mean, people who are active tend to be lighter than the general population, and cyclists are active. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, you know... Do you make is it is it patronizing to make a bike that might be colors that, or do you just make a bike bikes in different colors and not say what gender is going to not try to decide what gender is going to like them right like it you know I I could see the argument being made if you look at special or you know like Santa Cruz and you're like the frame is not different the bike is not different it's just a different color and you call it women specific like I could, why not just offer a third color in the Bronson lineup. You know, why not just extend the Bronson line to include an extra small and include a third color? Well, and to the degree that it's a different marketing story, is that what does that what does that mean? Like, is that that's obviously it's valid because that's how the stuff sells, right? There's almost this thing of like, as consumers, we don't like when we when we are susceptible to marketing and when we need marketing to buy stuff, but then. We don't change. <laughs> right. We still do that. Well, um, I I had a girl tell me I would never buy a Juliana. I'd just get the Santa Cruz version because the Juliana is going to be harder to sell. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that a number of times. And I've also heard, like, I'm a real rider. I don't need a girl's bike. Yep. I've also heard guys buy the Julianas because they're like, it was on sale. But <laughs> on the other side, I had a customer the other day come in like you know my wife discovered these live bikes and they're special and they're good and i was always a trek guy but maybe now i'm a giant guy yeah i think the live line is they are it's my understanding that those frames are different oh they they are i mean it they're visually different like you can put in fact yeah you can put like an intrigue next to a trance and they're just not the same frame right and like a hail and a rain are, are not the same bike. Right. I actually kind of like how the hail looks better than the rain. <laughs> it was a step ahead of the rain. Right. <clears throat> yeah. One of these days I was just thinking we should do a whole show just on standards. Like, you know, like is 34.9 a good idea? Is yeah. like, re, like rehash all the bottom bracket press fit trade-offs again one more, one more time again yeah like i'm completely immune to the press fit that like i don't gripe nine bb92 yeah sure whatever i don't care right i'm good cool anything else uh yeah we'll save something for the next show uh keep something up your sleeve <laughs> all right thanks nathan for nathan and missing our buddy awk this is tawny saying love the bike you ride